TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. Stories of that game and what happened in the clubhouse is just fantastic. There's no game that can bleep you like this one. <laughs> it's Roycey on baseball. Let's go. Here. <coughs> Okay, we need a nickname for Tony Diaz. I haven't coming up. I haven't come up with one yet. Third base coach. Now, uh, the Cubs and the Red Sox, the two most we would agree probably the two most ardent fan bases in baseball. Well, Yankee fans, Dodger fans, blah blah blah. They're certainly faithful, but as far as emotional fan bases, Cubs and Red Sox, I would say, right? Yep, I would think so. Wendell Kim coached third base for both of those franchises. <laughs> yes, he did. Wendell Kim, and of course he became known as Waving Wendell because he, uh, for two reasons. One, he had a very enthusiastic wave, mm-hmm. and two, he had a tendency to get guys thrown out at the plate uh, <laughs> in, in big situations. And uh, I've said about Waving Wendell is uh, the Red Sox fans – I sent out uh, text last night to Mark Gonzalez, our friend from the Chicago Tribune who covers the Cubs, and Pete Abraham, who you know covers, covers the Red Sox uh, for the Globe now and has been covering the Red Sox forever. And I said, who is the most villainous third base coach for the fan base? You know, the, the, the guy that you bring up. When somebody else gets somebody thrown out at the plate, the old-time fans say, ah, he's just like bleep, you know, he's just like. <laughs> Both of them responded, Wendell Kim. <laughs> Red Sox, Waving Wendell. Now, Waving Wave Wendell, unfortunately, died in 2015, and he had Alzheimer's. Uh, Alzheimer's, yeah. Yeah, disease, which is unfortunate. And uh, and uh, some some people think that maybe he had the early symptoms at one, at, at, you know, because he wasn't that old, and when you get it, you know, early onset, it's it's bad stuff. But uh, third base coaches, in my opinion, are never forgiven, right? No, never. No, no, they are not. <laughs> I mean, they're they're remembered for for blunders. And now Tony's had a couple of issues during the first four months of the year, mm-hmm. but not not that moment, right? Not that moment. Well, this past weekend. He had two of them. Yeah, he had he had Crone thrown out. Crone is, you know, a nice player, better first baseman than I thought. Power can hit those laser liners, can hit those big ones. Better player than I thought. Can't run a lick. Right. And he got him thrown out by Puig. Everybody says, "Wow, great throw by Puig." As I said on Twitter, Lavelle Neal could have thrown him out. <laughs> but and then, of course, yesterday uh, on Sunday, uh, anyway, not yesterday, Sunday, uh, he got Adrianza thrown out at the plate when the uh, relay was arriving at at the sh- with the shortstop at the same time that uh, at the same time that. Uh, uh, Adrianza was arriving at third base, yeah. so he was out easy. And uh, out anyway, by about fifteen feet. So now you know they can defend Tony and Rocco. You knew was going to defend him, and blah blah blah. And it, on Saturday it was because the ball might be wet, so he sent them because you know. But once you're in the, because everyone, baseball fan, thinks that you should be right, right when you're the third yep. base coach. Don't Why didn't he up. send him? Why didn't he? Now, yesterday, if he didn't send him, 
And they said, and then the next guy popped up, they would have said, why didn't, you send why didn't they send him? But <laughs> the fact is, he has been a little shaky this year, and now he's, you know, had he had his moment. So it's over. You cannot... You you cannot win back the fan base because everybody's going to keep going back. Yes, to right. What happened Sunday and what happened Saturday and and all. And that. we need yeah. something better than terrible Tony. We need alliteration, but it's not terrible Tony Diaz. We can't use that. Something that some something that starts with a T. How about Turbo Tony Diaz? Turbo <laughs> Turbo Turbo Tony. He, he waves him in. I, maybe Turbo Tony. Turbo uh, Tony. Turby right. Tony. Turbo Turbo <laughs> Tony. Because uh, he he thinks he's got turbo engines running and, he, and he's got uh, he's got uh, four cylinders. You know, coming to him. Well, play. the other thing too is thinking about Sunday's game when Adrianza got thrown out. I the weird thing for me is, I mean. And and Rocco's done this a couple of times this year where he'll bring in Adrianza. Yeah. And I think it's more it seems like more there's like this idea that Adrianza is like a really fast base runner. And he's really not I, that I fast. I think they think he's a better base runner than Cave. Cave is obviously a lot faster. Right. Uh but I don't know if they trust Cave's judgment. Sure. Uh in in all things. <laughs> particularly diving but <laughs> but i don't know if i think they thought they would get a more astute base runner if they put adrian's in also you just put adrian's at first base too sure, if you yeah. end up going extra yeah. innings you take Krona, but yeah. uh anyway it's uh it is uh you know it's tony is hey Good luck, Tony, but you're going to get booed. They're never going to let you live you're this gonna down. You're going to get booed. You, know? <laughs> you stop a guy on the next homestand, boo. <laughs> you you send, send him. Send him, and he scores. Nobody's going to say a word, you know. <laughs> but it's uh, that's the life of a third-base coach. And uh, we're going to talk to the best I ever saw, and I'm not saying this to blow smoke on it, at him, and I'm not saying this. To uh, because he's our guest and because he won two World Series and all that. The best I ever saw was Kelly. Yeah, Kelly was eighty three. He came up. He was. Uh, we didn't know him, you know, very well at all. He got. He was brought in when Billy Gardner replaced Johnny Gorrell as manager. They needed a third base coach, and they brought Kelly in from the minor leagues and put him at third base. And he was, you know, the intensity that he always brought. He brought the third base, mm-hmm. and uh, was, and that Metrodome was a tough place oh, to bet. coach, you know, because the ball's moving at a completely different, especially the early Metrodome, yeah, with the boom, 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 and you, you know, the one thing you had to read there was the high bounces, and you know, I mean, uh, things you know, coming off the baggie, yeah, the yeah. wall. Sometimes and, yeah. the ball got to the fielder fast. Sometimes it'd take that big hole high bawong. And then you should have sent him, you know. So, yeah. uh, but Kelly was great at it, and we'll talk to him about it. But uh, uh, as as we were talking earlier, nothing in sports, no coach in sports is more intimately involved in a moment than yeah. the third base coach. And you have to make a decision yeah. in a split second, you know. And there's yeah. so much going on. There's so much chaos where the ball is, and Phil. You know, you know the Phil Jackson the... can drop a play that calls for Michael Jordan to take a jump shot. Hey, that's genius. Uh, <laughs> he made the shot. It yeah, worked. yeah. You know, and we can you know plays football. You know, you can come up with a play on a goal line, and uh, 
you know. But, Kevin Stefanski but not, could drop the, the sure. perfect play for Kirk Cousins. But, but, but if Riley Reef doesn't block the defensive yes, end, right. it's not going to matter. Yes. Yeah. And it, but in, in this is there is a moment, and it's about a second maybe, maybe a little less, where you decide whether a run's going to score or not. You yeah. know, where you, you the guys either you either you decide. Well, yesterday, I mean Monday, they de- he decided whether they're going to win the game or lose it. Yeah, you know, I mean that was. Yep. You know, because he didn't score, and they had yeah, to go on extras, yeah, and Rodgers came Rogers in, gave up the grand in. slam, yes, and so, uh, anyway, changed everything. It's fun. That's one thing about it. Uh, I will. Uh, there's, there's some uh, legendary stories about third base coaches. My favorite was uh, Steve Little, who replaced Ulger. Mm-hmm. And you were telling me about the O. Scotty moment with. Uh, yes, there was. Uh, so the the twins were at Comiskey. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is when to- I think Tommy was still with the twins at the time. This whatever Comiskey, 20- whatever we call Comiskey. Yeah, whatever we get. U.S. Cellular. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, it was U.S. Cellular at the time. Now it's guaranteed rate for yeah, whatever, whatever the hell it Comiskey, is. Comiskey, damn it. Yeah, yeah, it's Comiskey. And uh, Tommy, Tommy hit like a line shot to left field. It just went oppo with it. Mm-hmm. And J.J. Hardy's coming around third base, and Alger's waving him in. J.J. And, ran. Adrianza could outrun J.J. Yeah, J.J. Probably. was slow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Hardy ended up being <laughs> thrown out by, you know, 10, 10 12 feet or whatever. <laughs> and, and ended up costing the Twins the game because I think Hardy would have been the tying run. Uh-huh. And I remember hearing back the radio broadcast. <laughs> And Gladden and, uh, you know, Gordo, Gordy's Gordo's calling the play. Okay. And he's, you know, Gordo's saying, oh, here comes Hardy around third. And you hear hear Gladden in the background just say, oh, Scotty. Because he had waved in, that might have waved been the in one, Hardy. That might have been the one that cost Alger his third base coaching career because they right then of, put yeah. Steve Little. They did that during the middle of the season, didn't they? Was that 20, 2011 ish? Yeah, it could have been. Put a, yeah. 2010, 2011. 2010, they could have put uh, <laughs> Little. No, I think it, I think it would have been 11, probably, because yeah. I think that, that things were going bad, and then they put Little. And Steve was, you know, he was obviously told, be conservative, because, <laughs> as I said, guy hit a home run. He was reluctant to wave him. You know? <laughs> I love the guy, but he was caught. He hadn't. No, I, I remember it was, it was in spring training then, so it must have been 2011. Okay. Because I remember talking to him, and he hadn't coached third base since, like, the instructional league mm-hmm. when he was a minor league manager. It was, you know, he hadn't coached third base since then. So Sure. That was uh, that was uh, I don't know which job we came up with. Is that when we made Alger the uh, bench coach? I'm not sure because they moved bench, him either around. bench coach or hitting coach. He had virtually every job on the uh, staff so. there for yeah. a while. <laughs> anyway, Turbo Tony Diaz. That's we'll go with that one. <laughs> we'll Turbo, with that. Turbo Tony. All right. Uh, hey, the TK doubleheader. You're going to enjoy it. Uh, Tom Kelly and Tim Kirchner. We'll be back. Planning for a secure future requires sound investment advice. That's why I rely on my guy, Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold, for guidance in planning and maintaining a long-term financial strategy. This is Ricey, and I've known Josh for many years. I trust Josh and recommend him because he listens and delivers the kind of service that you'll need to feel confident about your financial future. I encourage you to get to know him the same way I did many years ago. Call Josh Arnold at 952 952- 
952-925-5608 and set up your 48-minute no-obligation consultation. Call 952-925-5608. You'll always get straight talk, not sugar-coated advice. Call Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold at 952-925-5608. Investment advisor services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consultant, LLC, a registered advisor in the state of Minnesota. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All investments involve risk. Tom Kelly is with us. You know who looked like a pretty good player over the weekend? Yazel Puig. He might be goofy, but uh, man alive, he's in shape and he can run. And uh, he stayed back on that Romo slider. I was impressed with Yazel for four days anyway. Yeah, uh, Mr. Uh, uh, Puig is uh, a real player. He looks excited to play for the Indians, and uh, he looks to me making an impression. Uh, he certainly can play the game. Now, there's some things he does that uh, uh, maybe not, aren't uh, what you call uh, very professional, but he he certainly looks like he has fun, and, uh, <laughs> and that's a big part of playing the game, as you know, Pat. Uh, it's... Uh, you have fun out there, and you play, and it's easier to have fun when you're playing pretty good. So, yes. uh, yeah, he's he's uh, hit the ball the opposite field. He, a couple times, he just beat the shift, uh, just dribbled a couple over there to pass second base. Uh, he, uh, yeah, he's a uh, he was dangerous. There's no question about that. He was uh, impact player of the week. That's for sure. Yeah, and, uh, of course, uh, when they made that trade, you kind of felt, well, Cincinnati's given up their goofball to get Cleveland's goofball, and they're both pretty talented guys, Bauer and him. But uh, I don't know. As you said, he, if, if they can keep him serious for another two months, uh, he will he could win a— he could, You know, I don't know his contract status. Uh, no, I think he's a free agent. But, well, uh, there you go. Yeah, but he's— uh, Yeah, he's maybe— stupid. No, no, yeah, right. Yeah, play good right now. That's uh, that's a good idea. If you're going to have a contract coming up, uh, as we all know, we've seen it over and over for a lot of years that uh, somehow these players find a way to elevate their game uh, and that contract's coming up. I think we all have uh, got, gotten to like uh, Kyle Gibson as a guy around here. He's uh, he's matured uh, in his personality, but uh, even the great Tom Hamilton, I ran into him the day after Gibby pitched, and uh, he said, what was that? And that was uh, really hard to watch, wasn't it? Well, Gibby's had a few of those games uh, where it's, you know, he doesn't throw it over very well, and, and uh and you begin to wonder, you know, he has, I think he's got good stuff. I've thought this for years, years and years. And uh, I, I probably told you this story uh, uh, over the years, Pat, but uh, many years ago, Terry Ryan called me in. Uh, I was retired and doing some work for Terry, and he called me in to talk about some things. and 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 he said to me, I want you to, he gave me a piece of paper and a pen. He says, I want you to write down the name of the most disappointing player this past season. And and uh, this was, I can't remember how many years ago, but it's back a ways. And he gave me, and he, he, I, he said, fold it over. I, f- I folded it over and put it down on his desk. And, and he wrote a name down and did the same thing. And, and at the end of the, our conversation, he, 
he said, here, he gave me what he wrote, and I, I you know, he slid mine over, and, and we opened opened up the piece of paper, and both had Gibby's name on it. Just because you thought there was I so much thought, more that I was, was there. I thought he was ready to win 16, 18, 20 games uh, many years ago. I, I, that's how much I think of him, and I still do. I, I still think it's there. And, uh, I'm, you know, sometimes get surprised at some of the things that he does on the mound. But I just wish he could just throw it over, just uh, challenge the hitters a little more. I, I think we've seen in the game of baseball the, the pitchers that sort of challenge them with the fastball and, and get after it. Uh, you know, the better hitters only get hits uh, three out of ten. So, uh I know. I, I think this in general, with the pitchers, uh, not just uh, Gibby per se, but uh, a lot of the pitchers, they just need to challenge the hitters a little bit more and get the ball in play and and try to eliminate these uh, eight, nine, ten pitch at bats and and um, maybe it'll allow them to pitch into the game a little bit longer and not put so much stress on the bullpen night in, night out. The odd thing is he's added that re- what I think is a really good changeup. I like his motion oh. on his changeup, and that's kind of the last three years maybe he's I, added I, that one. Pat, I've thought this for a very long time. I have a lot of uh, high hopes for uh, Kyle. I think he can be a at least number two type starter in your rotation. I, I really think he's got the pitches to do that. The breaking ball is good. The, the changeup is, I think, terrific. I, I wish he'd throw it some more. But uh, I still think we need to challenge a little bit better. And that's pretty much for a lot of pitchers uh, around the league. Uh, let's ch- get after the hitters a little bit better. But um, that doesn't seem to happen all the time. You see these, you know, uh, Bieber, even for being a young guy for Cleveland, he he challenged the hitters. Yep. And and uh, he mixed in his pitches, but he's, you know, and he located the ball in and out pretty good. But, you know, he wasn't afraid to throw the fastball. There's no question about that. Uh, you know, uh, it just, when I watch it now, I just keep thinking that everybody's trying to make the perfect pitch. And I, I'm just wondering if the preparation is so intense now that uh, he does this, he does that. I mean, you've always had that, but it's probably more than ever that nobody wants to say here. Yeah, hit a fly well, ball to center field. You know the disadvantage that we have uh, as a fan uh, these days is that we we're not privy to the what goes on beforehand. So we don't know what the game plans are, what they uh, between the pitching coach and uh, the analytics, what they say uh, goes, and and uh, we we just don't know what all that is. So we're at a disadvantage. So maybe this is the plan. Um, a lot of pitchers. Well, they averaging now five, still at five something, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, right. <laughs> it's so uh, there must be. I'm sure these guys want to pitch into the seventh inning, eighth inning, if they can. But uh, they, the way they go about it, they're certainly not. Uh, it doesn't look like they're programmed to do that. And uh, the evidence is out there. Of course, the ball goes further. And I watched that. Uh, was that Yastrzemski hit the home run last night to left? Field, yes. left center field, uh, being a left-hand hitter in San Francisco. I don't think that's an easy task, and, you know, he just popped it right out. Uh, so the ball is really traveling, and 
and uh, so maybe that makes it worse on the pitchers. Uh, but again, uh, I'd, I'd sure like to challenge some more people. That's for sure. Manny Hill and I were discussing this, uh, trying to. Fi- I don't. I don't believe there's a a coach in the major professional sports who, for one moment, has the direct impact on a on the action that a third base coach has. I mean, you can design a play, you can design this, but there's nobody else who's got three quarters of a second to decide whether you're going to score a run or not. Yeah. I mean, it's... You know, Pat, when I was coaching third uh, in the big leagues for Billy Gardner and Ray Miller, uh, I it was a wonderful job. It, it really is a wonderful job. Uh, if you really delve into it, the you have the game in your hands. The manager, of course, gets the lineup prepared and all that stuff. And but once the game starts and them boys start running around, <laughs> and you got it. I mean, it's you. Yeah. It's not the manager. It's not the other guys and the it, it, it. You got it. You know, you have to make sure they get the signs. And and of course now that's somewhat limited because there's no more stealing and hitting and running yeah, and right. things like that. So that part of it's maybe gone. But uh, years ago, that was the big part of the job. If a player didn't get the hit and run sign on first base or hitting, uh, it was on you. Because mm-hmm. why did you, what did you do to confuse the player, the batter, the runner? Uh, it's not getting through to them. You're, it's, it's you. Yes. It's, it's you're not getting it done. Now, you might not have the brightest guy up there uh, hitting, and he's just focused on trying to hit the ball, and he looks right through you and doesn't see it. But uh, for the, but still, it becomes the third base coach's obligation to make sure the guys get the signs and try not to confuse anybody. So uh, then it comes down to uh, scoring the runs and, and the situation, who's on deck, who's coming in to pitch out of the bullpen, uh, you have to know all these things, the speed of your runner. Did he get a good jump off first? Did, did he do this? Did he do that? Did he hesitate? Uh, is he in stride? Is he running well? You, all these things have to go through your mind, uh, and whether you decide to send somebody or, or hold them up. But uh, uh, you got it. It's you over there, and, and not the manager. It's not the first base coach. It's you. And so it's, uh, it, there's a lot of responsibility, and with that should come a lot of fun. So uh, especially if your players run hard, if the players run hard for you, it, it can make your job a little uh, easier. It's only uh, You can only look in one specific direction at a time. So you're saying you have to find out if he had a good jump, but you also have to find out what the ball is doing. Well, how, do you, uh, how do you switch your... Well, you Focus have first, from Patrick, you're out there long enough, and yeah. we've seen enough games. Yes. Now, this is the thing I, I would always try to tell the minor league guys, uh, the coaches, the manager. Uh, I try to, especially the manager, I try to tell them not to watch the ball. You know where the ball went. You see mm-hmm. it get hit. So you know it's in the gap, and now you can you should be able to focus on your players and just what they're doing, whether you're on offense or the defensive side. Now, I, I say this more for the defensive end of the game because uh, the ball gets hit down the line. Well, you know it's going to the wall. Okay. 
Now let's see our players, our second baseman, shortstop, or our first baseman. Are are they doing the right things to be in position for a cutoff relay? So there's, you know, I tried to get the, especially the manager to uh, refocus on on his players and and not so much just watch the ball. We know where the ball went. Now the time frame goes by in your mind uh, that okay, now the outfielder should be picking the ball up. And, and throwing it now, this is where the third base coach comes into yeah. play. He has to be able to uh, see where the shortstop is. Uh, as an example, last night or yesterday afternoon, the ball gets hit to left central pretty good, and, and, and uh, uh, the ball bounced off the wall and, and came right back to him. Now, that can slow you down okay that'll slow you down once the ball once he feels the ball properly uh and get, well he got a little lucky he caught it barehanded and yeah. everything last yesterday but uh and he was able to just turn and fire now you have to pick up the shortstop and the trailer and the trailer meaning uh in this case the second baseman would be behind the shortstop in case there's a bad throw the second baseman will now field the ball if it's an overthrow or, or whatnot, but you have to line yourself up so you can see all these things and put yourself in position so that your runner can pick you up and you can also see the the throw from the left fielder, center fielder, whoever. And uh, if it's oh my, that looks like a good throw. This is you know, or or this throw is offline and it's going to bounce, so I might take a chance. But, uh, again, uh, putting yourself in a proper position to see the field and see the players is a paramount uh, decision and position you have to put yourself in. And uh, uh, have we been hitting the ball good? Have we, are we struggling to score a run? Uh, these, all these thoughts have to go <laughs> in your head. Quickly, quickly. quickly. <laughs> you know, well, you should know them before you start. Yes, but, right. uh, you, know, you know, before it happens, some of the things. But... Uh, you know, you have to say who's up next and who's after that, and are they going to change? No, his, the closer's in as it is, but uh, they're they're going to ride. The, you know, they're not going to switch pitchers. Well, who's coming up for us, and uh, what are they going to do if I hold this man up or I send them? So it, it's a, um, you know, there's a lot of things that go through your mind. Uh, you have to be prepared. Experience is a, a, a key having some experience and, and keeping control of your emotions is probably the number one thing. What, uh, if you get a guy thrown out at 10 by 10 feet in a big situation, how long does that haunt you? Uh, you're going to feel it. Yep. I, I, you'll remember this one. When I was coaching third, we were in Cleveland when we had a chance to win. Yep. Uh, what year was that? 80, 84, right? 80, yeah, one of them. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, when you were Manny, Jamie, you were coaching third, yeah, so that Jamie had to be '84. Jamie yeah. Quirk wasn't it? Hit the Jamie Quirk, yeah, 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 '84. Yeah. Well, uh, the first inning, we have. Uh, I remember Ron Washington was on uh, first, and uh, it was right at the start of the game, uh, first inning, and he's on first, and and somebody hit one to left central or wherever the hell it was. And and uh, he oh it was left center and he come around we're in Cleveland and he come at the old park so yep. he come around and and uh, there's no outs no outs yep. and we you know third fourth hitters are coming up 
and and the throw comes in from the left central to the shortstop. I it's coming right to him, so I hold him up, and the the shortstop does not catch the ball. It hits off his glove and goes towards the uh, left field line. Now I stopped Ronnie coming around. He he puts his head down. Okay, which is a no-no. He put his head down and starts walking back to third. And now the ball is now laying over near the left field line. I'm trying to scream and get him go, 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 Ronnie, go. And and he, he can't. Well, there's still no out. <laughs> yeah. Well, we load the bases and don't score. Uh-oh. Now, Frank Fiola's pitching, correct? Yes. And we had, what, 10-0 lead? 10-0, yes. And we ended up losing. <laughs> I come in. We come in. Everybody's depressed. We sort of had to win this game. Yeah. And and everybody's down. And 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 I'm feeling. You know. What do we have? Thirteen. We scored thirteen or twelve. Finally, I don't know. It was ten all. I know that. I know we were winning. But the here come the writers at me. How come you didn't score, Washington? <laughs> Son of a. Yeah. Oh, I went goofy. I said, you got to be kidding me. Ten nothing and Frankie can't get through. You know, come on. I mean, that was that was Gaetti's famous. I think it was 13, 12, or 14, 13 <laughs> yeah. or something. Oh, how many runs are you supposed to get to, to yeah. win the ball game? Yeah. But that's what it was. They came right at me and wanted to know why I didn't get Washington home. Well, that's... Oh, uh, by the way, Wash, coaching third base for Atlanta now, he's a heck of a third base coach. He, I, he's, uh, he looks to be having fun, especially with that team they yeah. have there. There's some kind of entertaining. Oh man, that Acuna! You know, and and Albies. Yeah. And of course, you got Freeman. <laughs> I mean, he boy, oh boy, they have and Donaldson. Oh my, they have a nice ball club. That'd be fun to manage or coach that team. That's for sure. And those young pitchers they have. Oh my. It's, they look like they're certainly headed in the right direction, no question. Tom, the Twins are going to send Martin Perez out there again against Milwaukee on Tuesday. Uh, give him another chance. So when you have a good club, uh, you know, and and some guys helped you get there, how hard is it to pull the plug on a guy when he it starts? It is very difficult. Yep. It is very difficult. And... Uh, uh, and this is one of the things that uh, bothered uh, Mr. Molitor uh, a couple of years back now uh, when the first inning at uh, New York in the playoff game yep. was the, the wild card yep. against the Yankees. And, and uh, Irv, yeah. Boy, I know it bothered him. Uh, and I sat here watching at home, and, and uh, uh, he finally said to me, well, did you think I should have pulled him? And I said, Paul... I know it's hard because the guy got you there, basically. Mm-hmm. What are you supposed to do? You're supposed to take the ball out of his hand. He's your number one guy, and he's the one that got you there. Now, I didn't know all this stuff about the finger problem that he mm-hmm. might have had or didn't have or whatnot, but, uh, you know, not privy to that. I, I, I don't know. But uh, uh, I know that bothered him whether you're supposed to yank this fella out of there, but... Uh, you know, I I told him I think I would have probably yanked him out, but that's hindsight, twenty twenty after the fact. You know, he, you know that's red board 
you know, but uh, we don't. Uh, that's a tough one. That really is a tough one. And this as far as giving him a start. But, uh, yeah. Corey, you had a lefty like this, Bill Kruger, who dazzled him for a while that one year when you had a good year, and then he kind of hit the wall. Yeah, he could flop that slow curve up there <laughs> and, and had a change up. And he threw it inside on occasion to keep him honest. And so he 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 was on a roll there for a while. But, uh, yeah, he hit the wall. But, uh, again, uh, it's hard. It really is hard because they're the guys that sort of get you to where you're at. And now you got to maybe pull the plug and you go, oh, man, it's, it's not easy to do. That's for sure. Well, and uh, it's not easy to do when you're missing your uh, your most important hitter and your most important fielder, Cruz and Buxton, right now. Uh, taking Cruz out of that lineup does make a difference. Yeah, there's no question about that. The man was uh, doing terrific. My God, that's called somebody on fire. That was ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. But he, he I, I don't know how he did it. I, I really don't. I, I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. I've, I don't have you seen it? No, what was it? Fifteen home runs after the All Star break or something? You know, one day he's got ten, next day he's got thirteen. You go, what yeah, where was he playing a little league game someplace and knocked off two? But it, it's a, he he hit he hit the ball like the pitchers had nothing. I, I mean, and these guys, you know, they're all that's impossible to do what he did. And and uh, boy, you have to tip your hat to him. It's a shame he got hurt because there's no telling what he might have. Kind of role he was on, how long it was going to last, and uh, my goodness, can't talk about being able to carry the team. Uh, he certainly did that. Uh, you know, he was the most impressive player I've seen in a long, long time. So that was uh, carrying the load and, and then some. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Buxton is out, and and uh, that hurts. There's no question that hurts uh, the way he plays and the defensive end of it and being able to run and steal a base and not that we do that but he's the one that, if there's gonna steal one he's he's the guy so uh being able to score runs the way he can and, and play defense uh, certainly hurts the ball club immensely but you look at all the teams and we all know this uh, the other teams have injuries as well and, and people are out when your number one starter is out for two to three months you know in kluber and uh, you know, so that's that hurts, and you have to, you know, keep tip your hat to Cleveland. Oh, come up with these pitchers that they're coming up and developing in the minor leagues. They step right in, and they, they, you know, even that uh, Plutko guy uh, the other night. He, or I think that's his name. Yeah. He, he, you know, he's he's still out there in the seventh inning pitching. Yep. So it, you have to tip your hat to them. They, the, their system and organization have done a terrific job of. Uh, bringing the pitching staff so long, that's for sure. Thank you uh, for your time, sir. Talk to you in a couple of weeks. All right, Pat. All right. Have a good day. Tom Bye. Kelly, and uh, that was uh, informative and entertaining, as always. We'll be back. Uh, the other half of the TK Doubleheader, Tim Kirkjian. Tim Kirkjian is with us, ESPN and ESPN.com. All right. Uh, this is pure speculation on my part. But the highlight of last weekend for Tim Kirkjian has to be the Orioles losing 23-2 to on Saturday and coming back and beating Verlander on Sunday. Pat, I've never placed a bet in my life, <laughs> especially on baseball, but apparently that was the biggest underdog bet ever. Is that when right? I cover, when I covered the beat, we used to call it a reverse lock. One yeah. night, 
Dave Johnson of the Orioles, who threw like 80 miles an hour, yes. beat Roger Clemens in his prime. <laughs> it was called, we call it a reverse lock. Like, yes. this can't happen. And then it did. Yesterday might be the ultimate reverse lock. The Astros are the best team in baseball right now. They've won eight games in a row. They've got a Hall of Famer on the mound. They're playing a team that lost 23-2 to the day before, and the Orioles come back and win. It was exactly why, Pat, we love baseball <laughs> this much, because this would be like the worst team in the NBA going in and beating Jordan's Bulls with Jordan scoring 50 points. Like, how can that happen? And yesterday... On a home run by... The Re- highlight of the day. On a home run by Rio Ruiz. And, uh, of course, Rosie Ruiz died a few days ago. And uh, <laughs> maybe he dedicated the game to her. I don't know. It was... Uh, Who knows? It was I'm un- going to be close on this, Pat. There have been... I think it's... I think there have been... I think there have been 10 five home run games at Camden Yards this year by ten different teams, <laughs> and none of those teams are the Orioles. So <laughs> ten different teams have gone into that ballpark and hit five or more homers in a game, yeah. and the Orioles haven't done it in their own park. A hundred years ago, uh, the Twins were going into Yankee Stadium. Mock was managing. might have been 77. I don't know. But... That was when you still had like 16 position players and they had Jim Spencer and Greg Dettles and, you know, they had all these guys on a bench, these left-handed pinch hitters that could come up and hit a home run anytime they wanted to, you know. And Twins had Paul Thorman's guard pitching and he had been awful. And I was just writing a throwaway afternoon piece, and I said that the American Civil Liberties Union is trying to uh, get an injunction to prevent this game from being played. And he went out and beat him. He went like seven and two thirds or something like that. You know, it's uh, it's fantastic when that stuff happens. Uh, you know who looked like a heck of a baseball player uh, over the weekend for Cleveland? Yazel Puig. Man, alive, did he play good here against the Twins. Yeah, he hit his first homer as an Ooh. Indian. He also got a big hit yesterday. And this is what always drove the Dodger guys crazy, is he would show you, flash you those tools, because he's so big and so strong, and he can really run, and he can really throw, and he makes a great play in the outfield once in a while, and hits one 500 feet, and then he misses the cutoff man, he runs himself into an out, and he <laughs> drives you crazy, and then he goes 23 games without a home run. So he's so erratic, it's hard to catch up to him uh, and figure out what he's going to do every day, but when he's good, he's still a really good player, and that's who the Twins saw this weekend. And you know what? When you see him on TV, you think he's kind of overly thick maybe, that he's not in great shape. But when you see him in person, whoof, that's, uh, that's, uh, he, is a, he is a finely cut athlete, that's for sure. Oh, he is a big, strong man <laughs> and in tremendous shape in every way. And, and if he can keep this up, you know, the Indians now can score a bunch of runs with people. So we'll see where this takes them. All right, we were talking to Tom Kelly earlier about the uh, third base coach. And, to, and and Manny Hill and I were having a discussion on how there's nobody in sports coaching anywhere. You can draw plays on the sideline. You can, you know, talk to your quarterback 15 seconds before you run a play. But there's nobody in an instant 
is a coach who has more impact on a game than a third base coach and has the pressure. Would you agree to that, sir? I would agree, and it came up again yesterday. Yes. And that's the whole point. And there's, you know, Rich Donnelly's one of the best third base coaches I've ever been around, and yeah. he basically said the exact same thing. You can work on it, but in the end, it's all on your shoulders in that game. I mean, you can work on knowing this right fielder does this, second baseman has a weak arm, especially when he's going to his left or whatever it is. Yes, and the third base coach has a lot to do with the winning and the losing of a game, and maybe yesterday was a perfect example. Maybe if they hold the guy at third there, you got runners at the corners, fly ball, and... The Indians are, you know, two games out, not tied for first. That's how big that job is. And uh, Diaz, he got, uh, Tony Diaz got you know, somebody thrown out on Saturday night, too, crone by about 10 feet. But what I, I guess what my point is, every town, and you've covered, you were a beat man enough to know that when a third base coach gets in trouble with a fan base, they never get out of it. <laughs> They're remembering, like, Poor Wendell Kim in Boston and places oh, like that. I mean, I mean, uh, what when you get in the when they get on you, just because you wave twenty five guys home in a row who score, they still remember the times you didn't score them. Well, that's the whole point. Your, your <laughs> win percentage can be ninety five percent, but they only remember the five percent. No one ever says, "Yeah, the third base coach did a great job on that one." <laughs> they only say the third base coach. Blue at that time. And again, Rich Donnelly used to practice that stuff, not just giving signs, but working on when do you send a guy. It's a really tricky spot. Yeah, and of course, uh, if uh, if everything's perfect and a guy who can't run too good gets thrown out by 15 feet, you're in trouble. That's, that, <laughs> that is for sure. Uh, Cleveland's a pretty, uh, I mean, this Clevenger is terrific and, uh, Bieber's terrific. And this kid who threw yesterday, Savali, or, uh, threw my, uh, Sunday, uh, it's amazing how they've put together this pitching staff without Kluber and Carrasco. It's amazing. Savali went to Northeastern. Is that right? He's not like a high round draft choice either. And he's, hasn't pitched that much. And he came up, he's looked really good since he's come up. And this is what the Indians do very, very well. They develop players in the minor leagues in a in a way that most teams can't. So now the thinking is, I don't think they're going to get anything from Carrasco, but we'll find. I'm there. I'm here in Cleveland today, so we'll find out more. But Kluber's coming back, Pat, and maybe, maybe this is a blessing in disguise that he got hurt, and he's going to be fresher in October yes. this year than in previous years, and. I'm 100% convinced now they're going to play in October. Whether they win the division or not, I'm not sure. But, you know, they're 43-18 and 18 since June the 1st, and their pitching's been awfully good, and they can score runs. Yep, and uh, it's, uh, you know, they were a, uh, you know, the Twins are missing uh, their most important hitter, Cruz, and their most important defender, Buxton, and that's, and it doesn't look good for uh, at least a couple of weeks for either of them, so uh, that's that's not good. No, it's not good, and Mark Teixeira was telling me yesterday, if it's the same wrist injury that he had, uh, then Nelson Cruz isn't going to play again this year. Now, I'm not ready to believe that. I think he can play through this. But as you know, Pat, you start messing with a hitter's wrist and his hands, 
and especially a guy who swings as yep. hard as he does, a power guy. Uh, that's something to worry about, no doubt about that. That's what uh, now Amorno had that same thing in 2012 and only missed a couple of games. But uh, as he pointed out, that was his top hand, and uh, it's uh, Nelson's bottom hand, so he doesn't know if it's the same. But I made the same point, that the way Cruz swings the back, this isn't Louis Arise going up there and slapping at the left field. You know, he's putting stress on that. I, I would not hold my breath waiting for him to come back, that's for sure. Right, and that'll be a big loss, and so is the center fielder. And they're oh. going up against a team that is charging, and now you got to be careful. you got to be careful because Oakland's good. The Rays are really good. Um, there's a wild card to be won for the Indians or the Twins, but you better be careful. So the Cubbies uh, go to Cincinnati and manage to get a split, which is, is this now 11 series? I think they've had three splits and lost eight road series. They got they got him Castellanos, who uh, was uh, our guy Gardy's best player in Detroit, and uh, they've, they've They've got them all the manpower they could possibly uh, use, and they're probably going to win the division. But I see that the lingo from them now is all we got to do is get to the playoffs. That's all that matters. Well, I'm not sold on that, Pat. I mean, their road record this year is is only the Marlins are worse on the road in the National League this year than the Cubs. Now, granted, they're great at home, and they fill it at home, and they really play well in that park. But you got to go on the road in the postseason, and you're going to have to go to L.A. if you're going to go to the World Series. (laughs) And I don't like their chances. So, yes, I understand the get us to October, anything can happen then. But they better show some, um, at least uh, an idea that they can win on the road. Otherwise, they're going to have trouble in the biggest month of the season. Uh, Tim, uh 11, 12 days after the uh, the one uh, trading deadline system, what are you hearing around uh, the baseball? What do uh, people think of it? Now, there's our, our players moving a little bit when they're being released, but uh, what's, the, what's the word? Uh, what are the people saying about the one trading deadline? Well, the people that I talked to were not as as like, oh, we got to change it to August the 15th because we'll have, we'll have a better idea if you're in or you're out. I didn't hear as much of that as I thought I was going to hear. I basically heard more of this, Pat. Our young GMs, who we've talked about on this show, you know, they're brilliant, but they're emotionless, and they, they, <laughs> they're so patient, they will not make a move because the sabermetrics value system says, if it doesn't fit in this box, we're not making that deal. Others, though, have told me these young GMs are a little tentative as far as I got to win every deal. That's yeah. how it works now. And you, you're not going to win every deal. So they're a little bit hesitant to make a trade. They're a little bit afraid to make a trade. And I think as they get older and more experienced, they'll get better at this. But I think that's it more than anything is some inexperienced GMs at the deadline as opposed to the deadline being in the wrong place. Well, uh, the observation here is that the uh – that our guys were a lot more aggressive uh, getting rid of players last year when they were non-contenders than uh, they are uh, adding players this year. And, uh, 
you know, looking back on it, uh, getting rid of Eduardo Escobar might not have been the wisest decision of all time because he could lead Major League Baseball in RBIs here. Right, Pat, that would look, I follow this stuff every second of every day, and I looked up the other day and said, oh, my God, Escobar is leading the National League in RBIs. <laughs> How can that be in a league with Yelich and Bellinger and Rendon and Acuna and Freddie Freeman? But, yes, and, and then when they signed him so quickly out oh, there yeah, long term, and, and, you know, we, we wondered about that, but now there's no wonder. That guy's a really good player. And they got him cheap, $21 million, three years, $21 million. That that's what the eyebrows were raised. Why did he sign for so little so quickly? But I guess he said maybe he was smarter than everyone and saw, hey, this is not going to be a good market. Boy, we had a lot of teams that uh, felt like they had a little hope at the All Star break, just going the tank. The Astros, I, I mean, not the Astros, the Rockies, the Angels, uh, some of these teams, the Pirates. Uh, Pirates, yeah, brutal. Yeah, what what happened? I mean, uh, the Angels, uh, they Tyler Skaggs uh, situation, and they had that big emotional game, and we're ready to go now, and they've been terrible. Right, and the Pirates have lost 24 out of 28. Pat, I did two games from the booth there early July, and even though I didn't say it, and I've been wrong about a lot lately, I didn't say, oh, the Pirates are going to the playoffs, but there were people around the game saying, watch out for Pittsburgh, they're starting to charge, and they've lost 24 out of 28. And Josh Bell, who I turned yes. into Willie Stargell at the All-Star <laughs> race, just hit his first two home runs of the second half yesterday. So he went like 23 games into the second half before he hit a home run. Just unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, the Angels did, uh, you know, kick up a little bit of a storm. So the uh, the Mets, the Washingtons, or the Phillies, uh, which uh, they might get both wild cards, but which one's, uh, which one of those three teams do you like the best? Well, I don't like the Phillies. They, Pat, since August 7th of last year, they are seven, they are 15 games under 500. Wow. I mean, they, they're 76 and 91 since August the 7th. This is not a very good team. It has underachieved and the injuries. McCutcheon, David Robertson have killed them. Starting rotation hasn't been very good and they just haven't hit like I thought they would. The Mets, I can't explain them, Pat, except that their pitching is really good as everybody knows in the rotation. But Joe Madden volunteered to us the other day. That Mets team can hit. I don't care what anyone said. He said it is not a mirage. J.D. Davis, all those guys, those guys can hit. They're going to score runs. But the problem now for them is, Pat, as you know, now the schedule gets really hard. They pounded away at those bad teams, the Marlins and the Pirates lately. And now they've got you know the Nationals, the Braves, the Cubs, the Dodgers, the Indians, the Phillies. They got a lot of teams that are in contention. We'll see what the Mets do from here. I was uh, in their clubhouse uh, waiting for Wilson Ramos when they were here, and I looked around and I thought, you know, this is they got some players in here. They should be better than this, and uh, right. they have uh, they have uh, turned out to be that way. So, uh, yeah, it's that uh, Brody or whatever his name is. He's going to be strutting around like the genius of all time if they make the playoffs, isn't he? Yeah, he is. Well, don't forget though, a lot of us had the Mets in the race from the beginning, and so they. I think they just underachieved terribly for. And now we'll see where they are at the end. And if they make the playoffs, sure, he's going to strut. But um, if they don't make the playoffs, 
he's still got some explaining to do because he told everybody we're as good as anyone. We're going to win the division, and they're not going to win the division because the Braves, despite a terrible bullpen lately, the Braves are much are, are certainly better than the Mets. Well, even though the, uh, you were there when the Orioles started the season with, uh, what was it, 21 losses, was it, or 22? I can't remember. 21 in a row, yes. <laughs> uh, one thing we always know that is there, Orioles pride, and we saw it on Sunday, man. That was incredible. <laughs> and again, the, the beauty of baseball, there was 0% chance they would win that game with Verlander ahead 3 to nothing. <laughs> They came back to win. I would have. Uh, I just can't believe that happened. All right, Timmy. Thanks. Talk to you in a couple of weeks. Okay, Pat. Thank you. See the, you. The great Tim Kirkjian.